0: Hey there, welcome to LSAT Demon Daily. I'm Francesca, I'm a teacher and tutor with LSAT Demon, and I'm here with Mike, one of our former students. Mike, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well today
0: awesome so mike thanks for coming on you're here to share with us your success story not just with the lsat but with the law school admissions game you had some great outcomes this cycle um, we just want to we want to hear all about how you did it how the lsat journey was like the application process and hear your advice so why don't you start by giving us the fifty thousand foot view of your lsat journey study study journey um, where did you start where did you end up and how did that go for you
1: Sure. Do you want me to start from, like, book of Genesis, pretty much? So again, <laughs> Book of Genesis,
0: the
1: whole okay. thing. Sure. So, um, you know, when I started undergrad, um, well, let me start by saying um, I'm a little older than probably the average LSAT taker law school applicant. I'm 31 years old now. Um I decided to go to undergrad um, when I was 26 years old, uh, I made the decision to. So I started applying and I got into a four-year university um, in Michigan, so I took it. Um, and the only reason I even went is because I knew I wanted to be an attorney. I already had a good career in sales um, where I could have just run off in the sunset and perfected it and really just made a full career out of it. But you know, I had some run-ins, unfortunately, with the law nothing major, but you know, petty things, misdemeanors, things like that when I was younger and I saw how much, you know, my attorney saved me, um, when I was younger. So I decided, you know, it, it's something that I wanted to do. Um, so, you know, I started researching online. Well, how do you even become an attorney? You know, I always knew about law school because you see it on TV. That's what lawyers have to go through. But you know, I was so far removed from the process. I'm first generation, not only student, the first generation American, no one in my family, has ever even gotten past high school, you know? So, um, it was kind of, you know, having to learn completely on my own. So what I learned just by quick Google searches as well, you have to get a bachelor's degree. After that, you need to go to an accredited law school. You need to take the LSAT. It's like, okay. So everything I read online was don't worry about the LSAT, just get your GPA in order. So that's, um, you know, for the first couple of years, just really focused on getting through undergrad June, 2021, I decided I'm just going to take the LSAT. And so I did without any sort of studying, no exposure to it. I just signed up for it. And thought, okay, well, I'm going to take it because the other standardized tests, I mean, that's just how I did it. You know, um, SAT when I was, you know, going to college initially, ACT, everything like that. So I just thought, okay, well, it'll be like that. I quickly was humbled and realized that that was not the case. I scored a 140. Um, I, I didn't even know, like, is that good? Is that bad? I typed it on and typed it in on Google. Um, can I get into law school with a 140? quickly realized? No, we cannot. So, like, okay, well, I'm just going to get through undergrad and then I'll worry about it afterwards. Um, August, 2022, I graduated um, with a bachelor's degree in business management and legal studies. So I had some exposure to concepts of law, and other things like that. So I actually registered for the November test after I graduated, but for whatever reason with ProctorU, it didn't allow me to take it. So um, it got pushed back to February. Um, I had a lot of things going on with work and I have two children, so I didn't really have the time to study. However, I would say about two weeks before the test, I realized, okay, well, I need to start studying. So I did the things like Khan Academy, things like that. Um, did it for a week or two and it was PTing, not great, like 150, 151. But I was like, okay, well, let's just take it because I'll get in somewhere with the 151. Test came back, not even a 150. came back as a 146 and I was crushed. So I had a choice right then and there, you know, some of the the advice I got from people on the internet and other places was just retake and reapply. And you know, that's probably the best advice, but I got my February score back March 1st and I had until March 3rd to sign up for the April set. And I just decided, you know what, maybe I'll lose $200 if I don't get a good enough score. Maybe I am too late, but you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go ahead and go for it. So um, I registered and I signed up for LSAT Demon, the live one, went through the classes, um, took another diagnostic test, and then started drilling down on everything, really learned the games um and learned everything else. And then May May 1st, uh, I was through the roof when my score came back as so a 161. So, you know, definitely a lot of progress, you know, 15 points in a matter of a month. Um, but you know, it's also, it also wasn't by accident. I spent three or four hours every day on top of work and dealing with my kids and, you know, wife and everything like that. But still, you know, I, I etched out a few hours every day, no matter what to, um, to dedicate to, to LSAT prep.
0: Yeah. So a lot of things in there. I mean, first of all, congratulations on your score and also just on the improvement, 15 points in a month. I mean, that's very impressive. Good for you. you. Um, You essentially took two more or less cold diagnostic tests, right? Your very first one was a completely cold test. And then you said that you studied for two weeks before the second one and then got pretty much the same score again. I mean, two weeks in the world of LSAT study is just like a blip on the radar. Um, And after that, it's just, yeah, deciding to, hey, like I'm actually going to crack down, invest in myself and really see what I can do here, which is which is great. So for your studying itself, you said you're using the demon live classes, were there, was there anything in particular that really helped you see that amount of improvement aside from just showing up a little bit every day and making the time for it
1: from the live courses? I think that where I did find a lot of improvement was learning how to do like the logical reasoning and reading comms. So, you know, um, you know, and I can't remember which instructor had said it, but one of them had said, well, you know, always remember in reading comp, the answers are in the text. hundred percent of the answers are in the text. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of having that realization, um, helps help them take some of the anxiety out of it and help pop and deflate the balloon a little bit, uh, you know, reading comp to me, you know, especially when I was studying and taking the test, it seems like a monster. So, you know, um, kind of just, okay, well, everything is there. So reread it, you know, and something that, you know, I listened to a lot of the podcasts that we found and Nathan did. And I believe Nathan, you know, don't shoot me if I'm wrong, Nathan. But I think what Nathan said was, you know, um, if you don't already know what the passage is about, if you don't already know, you know, where the flaws are, then you aren't ready for the questions. So that's how I began to train for it. So I think some of that instruction helped me learn it a little better and learn how to to go back through it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it's a, just a shift in your mindset of how you're thinking about the test, right? You're no longer seeing it as this big behemoth thing that is just a huge challenge to overcome. And now it becomes a right. thing of all of the answers are here. I just need to read carefully and basically realize that they're there, right? Pick them out and understand them. So as for studying for the LSAT with kids at home, I mean, that's, You know, that's in and of itself a whole other layer of challenge to think about. We have lots of non-traditional students, non-traditional applicants listening to this. What would your advice be to people who are juggling, whether it's being parents or any other life stuff going on? How do you manage that?
1: Well, I mean, first, I can start by saying that, you know, my heart's out to you because it is very difficult. Um, Beyond that, though, um, I think that it really is going to come down to analyzing where you can fit the time in. Um, and one of my, uh, friends that's helping me along the LSAT and law school admissions journey, one thing she had said to me that really like resonated with me was that success is not linear. Um, and I think that's very true. So that would be my first recommendation, um, is, you know, try to think of it as a marathon and not a sprint. Um, but beyond that, you know, to really get your LSAT prep in, I think that boundaries come into play. Now I'm not telling you to make boundaries with your children. Your children are always going to come first. Um, and they, they come first for me too. Um, but maybe boundaries with extended family and friends, you know, especially if you're a non-traditional, you know, you're 25 plus, you know, your friend group is probably going to be similar to that. So they're already in their careers and they, whatever for better or for worse, whatever their job is, that's what they're doing. So they may not understand, you know, the same way of, Hey, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do X, Y, or Z because I need to study for this test. You know, they, you may have external doubt on why even do this, you know, you should just do X, Y, or Z, but you know, if you're going to go along this like journey of going to law school or studying even just for the LSAT, again, your journey as a lawyer, um, including going to law school, it has to be because of a decision that you're making, it has to be because this is what you want to do. So if that is the case, if it is because it's something that you want to do, then, you know, it, you have to almost have blinders on, you know, you have to decide, this is what I'm doing. This is what I have decided. Therefore, this is what I'm going to do. And everybody else's opinion is not relevant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I would recommend that as a mindset and then just figuring out where you can fit it in your schedule. So, you know, that might mean not going out might mean not going on vacation, which, you know, definitely I'd still recommend doing so your mental health comes first. However, um, you know, it's, trying to be creative and figure just where you can fit it in. I mean, for me, it was, you know, work until five, six o'clock and then help my wife, um, you, know, you know, I would make dinner and do everything else that we need to do for the children, get them to bed at eight or nine. And then nine to midnight or nine to 1 a.m. was my LSAT prep time. Mm. You know, so that that's how I did it. You know, your mileage may vary, your results may vary, but you know, that's how I was able to, to fit it in.
0: Why is words of advice in there too? Um, so I want to get to the punchline here. I want to hear about your successes and your admission cycle. Why don't you tell sure. us what your outcomes were and how the whole process was for you?
1: Yeah, sure. For sure. So, um, again, perspective is everything, you know, a lot of the listeners and I completely understand, you know, if I was. 23 years old and didn't have kids already, then I would probably be in the same boat of, you know, I want to go to Harvard, Yale, Stanford, Michigan, you know, whatever the case is. However, that's, that's not quite it for me. You know, I, my goals are really go somewhere that isn't predatory, non-conditional full ride. So, um, so far to this date and mind you, um, my cycle is a little odd. I mean, cause I was applying with April LSAT scores for this fall. Um, so I still, nonetheless, I applied to about 30 schools and I've gotten responses from 14 of them so far. I've gotten 11 acceptances with four full ride offers. Um, do you want me to shout, to mention the school names or
0: if you want to, if that's sure. the story, if you're comfortable with it.
1: No, yeah, I can. Um, so I've been offered full admission, full ride offer to Roger Williams, Toledo, um, Akron and oh western new england i still have I, I want to go to school in florida because that's where my family is extended family so i'm still waiting i've applied to every law school in florida besides florida state and miami so um i got answers from one of them and i'm probably not going to take it because it was a little scholarship offer um but i'm just kind of waiting them out but you know if i just got rejected across the board at this point which i don't think is likely to happen but if i did get rejected across the board at this point i would be okay with it because i still have full ride, unconditional offers and my main goal is to not go 100k into debt or more you know so um i'm okay with that outcome if that's what it ends up being
0: yeah and the the, the biggest thing that stands out to me in your whole story is that you know exactly what you want and you go after it whether that means during the study process, making the sacrifices that it takes to make it happen, while, of course, keeping your priorities in line. Yeah. But then also in the applications, you're like, I, I don't need the big name. I don't need the big law outcome. What I want is to be a lawyer. You're clear on your reasons why. And you're not settling for anything less than that. Not just full tuition, but no condition scholarship. Right? It's not just yeah. about the, the price attached, but also not having anything that's like, oh, you need to maintain this certain GPA, or you're going to lose all the like you're reading the fine print and you're, you're getting the outcome that you want. So congratulations
1: sincerely. I appreciate that. And you know, I do want to be fair. Um, one of the offers I got and I'm not taking it, but one of the full ride offers I got had a 2.5 GPA condition Mm -hmm. and I'm not interested in that. Um, because you know, things could happen, you know, and I'm, I'm not doing this to, to mess around. I sincerely hope that, you know, I want to be top of my class, but, you know, one thing that I don't think gets highlighted enough, and this is just personal opinion, one thing that I don't think gets highlighted enough on some of the subreddits and everything like that, because I know it very much comes down to prestige and law. It's it's just the nature of the beast. However, I think that one thing that a lot of prospective law school applicants are not expecting is that everybody in law school is going to be just as smart or smarter than you. You know, so I don't think that gets highlighted enough. So to think, well, you know, at x y or z law school they're low ranked and you know i'll just go there and i'll be at the top of the class that's not necessarily going to be the case people are going to be very intelligent there too people are there you know to to do their best as well so you know that's why i'm not a fan of the conditions aspect while i hope to do incredible and while i plan on doing my absolute best you never know what could happen so the unconditional part was huge for me
0: exactly you're graded against your peers and a lot of people tend to underestimate what that's going to be like Yeah, sure. I wanted to ask you also, you mentioned that there were some character and fitness issues in your background. A lot of our applicants or a lot of our students who are going to be applying are going to be applying with character and fitness issues as well. How did you navigate that? Did you write any addendums? how did you figure that out?
1: Uh, Yeah. So there were huge addendums. That's what I would definitely say. And I want to just throw this out there because um, you know, this is on the internet, therefore it will live forever. Character and fitness issues I had just want to be transparent we're not talking about anything really that crazy, you know, driving without a license charge, um, possession of marijuana and you know, 10 plus years ago, back when it was super illegal, a lot of places, but still we're talking about pretty low, pretty petty misdemeanors. Nonetheless, um, what I did was, I just, you know, owned it. Not only I touched on it in personal statement because one thing that, you know, I've heard a lot about is don't just repeat the same thing over and over again in your application. So touched on it very briefly in my personal statement. And then as far as character and fitness addendums are concerned, um, I explained it thoroughly. So for example, um, I may have put, I mean, I did, but I don't want to go too deep into what it actually was you know, I put, you know, on X, Y, or Z date, I was driving and was stopped. Um, I, my license was suspended at the time. Um, and you know, I went to court for it and my attorney negotiated X, Y, or Z. Um, and I paid the fine off and I've kept a valid driver's license since. And then on top of that, I also went to the public record site and found a copy of the ticket and a copy of the disposition so i gave the law schools everything because one thing that i want everybody listening to remember is it's not just getting past the law schools the first thing that's going to be pulled when you go to sit for a bar exam is your law school application mm-hmm. and then you know if i can find my my records right my criminal records or whatever records the bar can too very easily and probably much better so it's not worth trying to sneak anything past them so, you know i've read um, some, some things on the internet and I've fact checked them that there have been people who've been accused and, you know, done pretty serious crimes, but they owned it. They came forward with it and they, um, you know, disclosed it, disclosed, disclosed it. And they were still able to be admitted to the bar. So I think what the bar from what I've gathered is looking for is, They're looking for, you know, people that are willing to own it and not trying to sneak past the system. So that's what I did. I, you know, in my uh, addendums, I not only said this happened, but I included case numbers. I included the actual ticket and I included dispositions so that they have all the information.
0: Yeah. Integrity and transparency and taking responsibility, that's everything. And these issues are surmountable. It's not going to keep you from practicing law in many cases. So yeah. that's it's great things to keep in mind for sure.
1: So, yeah.
0: Mike, do you have anything else that you want to share with applicants or that maybe you wish you'd heard?
1: What I wish I had heard um, is, you know, and, and it's out there but I still wish I would have believed it because I've always been good at taking tests and everything. I wish I would have believed um, to really study and really prep for it and really take heat checks on yourself. So the practice tests um, also, I urge anybody to take practice tests frequently. So once every week or two or whatever the case is, but to also mimic the environment that you're going to actually take the test in. So not taking a break every five minutes, that's not going to be like that on the test you know, not, you know, having, you know, a big plate of food nearby or, you know, the people who may vape or something like that, not being able to use their vape every five minutes, because it's not going to be like that on test. So mimic the conditions properly would be my recommendation. Um, also, you know, I I don't want to sound like Tony Robbins or anything, but, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of hurdles to jump to, to get to this point, you know, it would have been very easy many times. You know, I, I had a good first career. As soon as I graduated undergrad, I started a second career while I was studying for LSAT. I had plenty of opportunities to just say, you know, you know, I don't want to do this. This is too much work, but I stuck through it. And a lot of people that are studying right now to go through the LSAT and go to law school, aren't going to have these. So, you know, my thing to, to anybody listening is, If you really want it, I know you can do it because it was really difficult for me to get to this point. It's going to be really difficult for me to continue. So um, if you believe in yourself, you can absolutely do it. LSAT Demon is a great place to start because your LSAT score is going to be everything. My my cash GPA is a 2.5 and I still got full ride offers to accredited public universities that, you know, aren't so bad that they're unranked. So, you know, your sky could the the, your limit could absolutely be the sky if you're really tracked.
0: Thanks so much for coming on, Mike, and sharing your story. I wish you all the best in law school and for you and your family. I, thank you. I hope you'll keep us updated with where your career ends up. Congratulations <laughs> on everything and all the best in the future.
1: Absolutely. I really appreciate it. And it feels surreal because I've watched these so many times. So to mm-hmm. be like participating in it, it's it's feels nice. It feels very validating. So thank you for yes. inviting me.
0: Of course. And anybody listening, this could be you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> thank you so email,
0: much of course email daily at lsatdemon.com if you'd like to ask us a question or share some LSAT or law school Missions news thank you for listening